Thank you, sir. I appreciate you, Jesse, um, warming them up with youth lingo because I feel like sometimes I use words and you guys look at me like you have no idea what's going on. So, listen, we got you this morning because you got the youth pastor. And I know you thought you were showing up on a rainy day for Pastor Greg, but there is no gray hair here. Not yet. And so we got you. It is going to come on much more rapidly since I've been in youth ministry now for like nine years. Because your kids can be, you know, they can require a lot because they're duplications of you. And so I'm honored to be here. I'm thankful. I promise I'll be kind and, and, and try not to rip you too much. But um, so excited to be here. It can be a little bit intimidating. Not that I get nervous to any degree or anything like that. Uh, uh, because all, all my job up here is to be a conduit for Jesus. I mean, I'm partnered with him when I'm ministering to the youth. I'm partnered with him when I'm, I'm ministering anywhere. That doesn't change. But what does change sometimes is the, the, um, the ground that you're sowing into. And when you look at the parable in Mark where Jesus is talking about when the sower goes out to sow, one of the things I want to point out to you, and this is to help you to grow, is that no description is given of the sower. But there are multiple types of ground. And so we don't know what the sower was wearing. We don't know if he was in skinny jeans, bootcut jeans. We don't know if he's in a button-up. We don't know if he's in a backwards ball cap. There's no description that Jesus gives on what the sower looked like. But all the attention is put on the ground. And I'm telling you this morning, my well may not be 50 plus years like Pastor Greg. It may not be... Uh, it may not run as deep as Creek County Jailhouse like Pastor Kevin's does. <laughs> Praise God. But listen, I sit under uh, uh, the same anointing that Pastor Greg does. I sit at his feet, and I'm honored to be a part of this house. We have such gifts here. Can we just give a round of applause for our pastors, Pastor Greg and Pastor Karen? They're this morning. Amen. You really do have the best pastors in the world. I, I, I believe that. I've, I've been with them for a while now, well, all of my adult life, and I, couldn't, I probably would not be here if it was not for them. And so they're fantastic. They're with Pastor Kenny uh, Powers this morning. They're celebrating, is it 33 years of ministry, Pastor Kevin? 35 years of ministry? That's amazing. So they're celebrating at their homecoming. They're ministering this week. And so if you want to double dip this morning, you can go to Glorious Bible Church's live feed. You can catch up on what Pastor Greg is ministering to them, and you can be blessed. And so also I want to honor Pastor Kevin, not just because I'm dating his daughter, <laughs> but that might give me some brownie points, but... Honor him, man. I'm thankful for the gift that he is. I mean, if you get one drop of legalism in you around here, just go to Pastor Kevin. He will roundhouse kick you to the face <laughs> with the grace of the Lord, and you'll be back straight. I'm telling you. Like, I'm, I'm thankful. I'm so thankful for the gifts here. I'm so thankful to serve with these guys. It really is an honor. Uh, uh, obviously, as we look at the climate and the world around us, it is crazy out there. And I would love some time for you to hit me up and to just bring you into the youth ministry and to see the kind of things that we deal with in this generation for those of you that don't have kids in the system, uh, the education system and that kind of thing, because it really is insane, the things that I'm not taken back by it anymore because I expect it, 
But it isn't saying like what youth and, and, and what people are dealing with as far as the identity stuff and all of that. But I'm not surprised by the devil acting like the devil. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not caught off guard by the enemy stealing and killing and destroying. I'm really not thrown off by the world getting more weirder and weirder and more out there. Those, those aren't the, the, the things that, that throw me off. What really throws me off is what happens when I look inside the church as a whole. When, I, when, I, when I'm scrolling through Instagram or Facebook and I come across reels, one of the downsides to Instagram is people get saved and then 15 minutes later they can become a prophet online with like a million people following them. And they can become, you know, an internet pastor and they have no accountability and they have no idea what they're talking about, but they're just talking. And, and, and people are, are uh, just grabbing a hold of these things just because, you know, somebody says, thus says God. And so when I look at the church is where my heart begins to grieve. And it's not by the scandals. It's not by, you know, the crazy celebrity worship me as the pastor church that's happening in so many places. I'm not even talking about those things this morning. What I'm talking about is I'm talking about really faithful members of the church. I'm talking about disciples of the Lord. And I, I, I'm, I'm coining a phrase this morning. It's, it's kind of cheesy, uh, uh, but I'm coining a phrase this morning. What I really want to deal with is I want to deal with shifty. I have to really pronunciate that, Jesse. Shifty. There's an F in that. <laughs> foundation disorder. Shifty foundation disorder. Um, because... I run into people consistently, and it's easy for us to proclaim the goodness of God and to talk about the goodness of God. And my, if you're here on a Wednesday night, which not all of you are, and you should be, you've been hearing about the goodness of God through Pastor Kevin's teachings in Galatians, uh, and, and, and that's so rich. And we hear about it, and we agree to it verbally and aloud, but so many of us, when something happens out of the ordinary, we've been indoctrinated with this idea that God is sovereign, so he must be the one behind it. When we face a trial or a mishap or something comes against us, I watch people and I hear it. I run into people at the grocery store and Walmart and various places that when something happens to them, a trial happens to them, the first thing that they do is God must be teaching me something. God must be using this for some degree. Like God is somehow as bipolar as some of us are. And he changes his mind. It's, it's insane to me. And so this is, this, is, this is shifty. I have to really, really emphasize that. Shifty foundation disorder. It's this idea that we believe God is good when things are good. But then we shift our mindset the moment something doesn't go our way. Because after all, God is sovereign. He can take care of it, right? We have this ridiculous idea in the church. And so if you would, I would like for you to turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to have fun this morning. Try not to pick on people now that I got the microphone. I'm going to have to avoid looking at Miss Rebecca on the front row. Love her so much. I know that if I pick on Rebecca this morning that I'll get double this week, so... I'm going to chill. That's right, brother. You're right. Sowing and reaping. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sow good things this morning. Amen. Matthew chapter 7, verse number 24. 
So in preparation for the sermon this weekend, obviously, this is called The Good Father, so I had to watch The Godfather uh, to prepare for... I'm just kidding. I did not watch that. Please don't get so uncomfortable. Don't get so uncomfortable. I really didn't watch it. But many people have the idea that God is more of a Godfather relationship with them. In the sense of, if you do something wrong, you owe me. And everything is contingent upon your performance. And you better stay in good standing. You better do things right. And if you don't, God's no longer on your side. And once again, I know I'm talking to seasoned people that have, a, have, have somewhat of a foundation. But when you think that you've heard something and you check it off your list, I can assure you. I can assure you, you don't really know it. Because when you know something and you've experienced something, you want to go deeper nonetheless. Like you, every, every opportunity, you're willing to add it to it. And so in Matthew chapter 7, look at verse number 24. This is Jesus speaking. That's in red. I have to I tell the youth that. So Matthew chapter 7, verse number 24, it says this. It says, Then everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a foolish man, And who does not do them, I'm sorry, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Verse 27. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall. If you would turn in your Bible now to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I'm going to be taking you all over the place in the word this morning. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to start in verse number 1 and then we're going to jump around a little bit. But it says this in verse number 1. It says, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as babies in Christ. It says, I fed you with milk and not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And then it goes on in verse number 3. For you are still of the flesh, and for while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a carnal and human way? Verse number 4. For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? Verse 5. Who then is Apollos? What is Paul? They're simply just servants through whom you have believed that the Lord has assigned. Verse 6, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. Verse number 7, look at this. So neither he who plants nor he whose water is anything, but only God who gives the growth. You know, Paul starts off and he's kind of jabbing at the people. He's calling them babies. I mean, that's kind of insulting to get up and tell some grown folk that they're babies. And the thing that they're babies about is because they have their favorite pocket preacher. <laughs> I promise you, I had, this, I had this verse as the core of the message, and then I just backed it up and gained context, and I was like, perfect, I love this. They had their favorite pocket preacher, and, and, and what they were bragging about is they were bragging about who they were a disciple of, and who was the best preacher, and who was this. And so much of the church is literally just a contest and a flex at who is the best at this. And it goes on to say that none of these people, turn in your Bible to verse number uh, 11. 
it goes on to say that these people are just servants. All that a minister is, I, I, I tell my team this when we're serving the youth, because so many people covet the pulpit and so many people want to minister and so many people think this is glorious. It literally just qualifies you to be the greatest servant in the room. As a servant, what it means is that you should go lower than everybody else. While you were enjoying your Saturday, eating your, your, your steak, or thinking about what you're going to do Sunday after, what a minister gets to do is they get to seek the Lord on your behalf so they can feed you on Sunday morning. <laughs> but it goes on to say in, in verse number 11, sorry, let me get there. It says this, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which has already been laid. And so the minister isn't the foundation. The church attendance isn't the foundation. Your merit report is not the foundation. Your good deeds, your bad deeds, none of these things are the foundation. It goes on in verse number 11 to give us the foundation for our entire existence. And it says this, For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ himself. Man. This is... This is easy to say amen to once again when everything is going well. It's very easy to, to holler and to hoop and to say amen, brother, when everything is going well. But listen, when trials happen and something comes against you, that will be tested. And I don't know if you're, you're, you're familiar with this terminology, but we have a whole generation of people that are deconstructing. I know, I know Jesse's probably, probably seen that. And I see videos all the time of, of pastors. And I, I watched this one. It was so grotesque and it disturbed my heart so much. Because it was a, a pastor and it showed him preaching the gospel. And then it cut to a, a, a scene where he was like leading a rock concert with his shirt off. And he was like, like ripped up and slamming Coors Light. And it was just like the complete opposite. And the crazy part is, it's like what he's preaching in the one part of the real is good. <laughs> it's a good word. And, and, and we know that in the end times, there is, there is going to be a continuation of people falling away from the Lord due to deception. Right. And the only way that, that can, the enemy can effectively do that if, is if your foundation is not properly set in order. So... I, I, can, I, can, I have a heart when I see these videos of people deconstructing, deconstructing and all these things and falling away from Jesus because when I was faced with the trial that I went to, through, it tested everything within me. Can we, can we get a little real and a little vulnerable? Is it okay that we don't, we don't have to be fake? I know, I know you're blessed and highly favored, but sometimes I'm stressed and highly bothered. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Is that okay? <laughs> and when I went through, what, with, with what I went through, what I realized is, 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 is after uh, I, 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 I stepped into this just completely new life and life was not going to be what I planned it to be because of divorce and all these things, what I realized is, is that there were pieces of my foundation that were not properly developed. There were holes in my heart. There were 
there were spaces in my heart that I had used ministry achievement and success in youth ministry and, and, and people and relationships to fill. And I had built a life based upon those things. And when that stuff comes crumbling down, what happens is, is you can easily lose yourself. And what I hate to see is that so many people never find themselves again in the Lord. And I'm here to stand before you this morning and to tell you that the only foundation that one can build their life upon is Jesus. It's Jesus. Jesus is the only thing that you can build your life upon. I, I, I can't emphasize that enough. I know it seems so elementary. I know, that, I know that you're thinking, well, duh, Pastor Trevor. But the truth of the matter is, is it's just Jesus. And the more that we get away from the simplicity of Jesus, the more that we're going to get in error. The, we we, we overcomplic, overcomplicate so much of our Christian walk. And literally, if we could just bring it back to one word, and that is Jesus, we would be so much more secure. We'd be so much more stable. We would have a life that we could actually build upon because so much of the church, so many people are building their life on their church attendance. (sighs) Jesus is not going to say, good job, Patrick Drake. You showed up 400,000 times to church. You did a hundred more times than Kevin Foster. I'm proud of you. That is not. (laughs) And you're building your life upon that. You're building your life upon what role you serve in at the church. I'm not sure. I'm just the worship leader. I'm just this. I'm just that. And your value, you think, is somehow determined based upon those things. And you build your life upon that. You build your life upon your business and how successful it is. I can promise you that can change in 15 minutes. And as soon as it does, what's going to happen is is the foundation that you thought that you were secure in, you're going to realize it becomes exposed. And there's going to be holes and there's going to be parts of you that feel like they died because they needed to. But the parts of you that become exposed have to be filled with him has to be filled with him it has to be him and so i i I don't i don't get frustrated once again by the world being the world i don't get frustrated uh as much by by certain things that i know a lot of people are looking at what hurts me more than anything is when people mischaracterize the nature of the father i hate that with a passion when teachers and with their a lot of times they have beards not daniel daniel's a lot of times they have great beards and they're smoking a tobacco pipe and they sound really smart and educated and 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 they talk about the nature of god as if they know him personally but they teach things like job and and they teach things like paul's thorn and they teach these things that suffering comes from god to teach you something that kind of stuff sickens me. It's frustrating. Because there's people in this room, there's people in this room right now that have a misidea of who the Father is, and as a result of it, their entire relationship is hindered and weighed down. And Jesus said, my burden is easy and my yoke is light. And so you're doing something wrong. 
And it usually has to do with the mindset that you possess. And so I hate seeing, once again, I hate seeing people mischaracterize the nature of God. Because when I was going through divorce and when I was going through the hardest season of my life and when I was questioning everything. Try not to get emotional. You know, I was torn. My soul was just ripped apart and open. The one thing that held me together and the one thing I can never question, the one thing I can never shake, was that God is good. I couldn't get away from it. I could not get away from it. I had experienced too much. I knew too much. I had experienced him too much. I had walked with him too much. I could not, no matter how much the enemy tormented me, no matter how bad the experience was, I couldn't get away from the fact that there is no good apart from him. Which makes me echo the words of Peter in John 6, 68, when, when Jesus turns to him and says, do you want to leave too? All the crowds are leaving. You can go away with them. And Peter says, where else would I even go? And I'm here to tell you this morning, church, that there is no life apart from the Son. There is no life outside of Him. Jesus is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. That's not cute. That's not something for your fridge. That is exponential truth that will never falter. There's only life in the Son. Only. So much of my generation thinks life is, is, even in the church, is about developing a huge platform of ministry. It's the biggest load of garbage I've ever seen. Using Jesus to make yourself known. Sickening. I'm not worthy to be known, man. The parts of me that you have met and liked about me, I can assure you that was Jesus anyways. (laughs) The only people that liked me before Jesus was my mom and my dad. Everybody else faltered based upon performance and what I did. And if we're being honest, mom and dad were ashamed at times too. Using Jesus to make yourself known. Listen, I have nothing to offer the world, and you really don't either. The only life that exists, exists in him. He's the foundation for everything. You can't build upon it. There's nothing else. Everything else is a substitute. You can fill the foundation of your heart with with drugs and alcohol and relationships, and you can drown yourself in, in distraction and social media and Netflix and pleasure and comfort, and I'm telling you, it's going to expose one day, and it's going to crumble, and you're going to be lost in the ruins. And the thing that I could not shake when going through the hardest season of my life was, I wasn't feeling it. I could not tangibly feel it but i knew in my core i knew in my core that there was no good outside of him and so no matter how many times i questioned if i was ever if i you know how many times i just wanted to go to pastor greg and say i'm done i'm gonna go get a normal job the pressure of this is too much this is hard this is hard i don't want to do it here i love you thank you You know how many times I saw myself inwardly doing that and I was torn between those two places? But I could never leave the foundation of the fact that God is good. Where else would I go? There's nowhere else to go. 
There's nowhere else to go. I was lost. I was broken. I was struggling. I was wrestling with God. I felt much like Jacob. But I knew, I knew at my core there was nowhere else to go. You got to have that. You got to have that surety. And, and I, I, I literally, I know you've ran into these kind of people, but you run into them. I don't know why Walmart is just like the <laughs> darkest pit in the universe where people confess their sins and sorrows. That's when I, Corey, that's when I pull the I'm just the youth pastor card is when people... <laughs> People want to hit you with their deepest, darkest things. And I'm like, I'm just the youth pastor, bro. I hit them back with that then. This morning, I'm not. But there, yes. But it's, it's, it's hard for me to, to not just grit my teeth and, and, and get my, my hand and, and pimp slap, you know, position. When people come up to me and tell me that they got a diagnosis... Or that they're homeless or that they're broken or that they're destitute or they're mentally messed up or their wife let them, left them. And that God is using this as an avenue to teach them. Like God can somehow authorize something that he's not. And I know you don't think this is relevant to you. But the moment your car has an issue or something goes wrong... You're convinced that God sent an angel to slice your tires to, to make you more humble or more patient. Listen, I know the temptation. I, I feel the temptation every time I pull through a fast food establishment. And it takes, it's not fast no more. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Nothing, I can, I can go into Chili's and get food faster than fast food. I know the temptation is there. God is teaching me patience. He's not. You're just impatient, bro. You're just messed up, bro. You got issues that need to have Jesus come in and be the author of. Not every, God is not working in opposition to you. Absolutely, when you lean on him through trial, he will refine you and you will be so grateful. It's the craziest thing about trial that I never, I never would have suspected why I was in the middle of it is that when you get to the other side, you're so glad it happened. It's the weirdest thing in the world because it was miserable. But when you rely on the Father and he brings you to the other side, like it makes you that more confident and you know who he is. After Jacob wrestled with God, he forever had that limp. <laughs> wasn't because God was just beating him up. It was a reminder of the transaction that happened. He couldn't doubt his experience with God anymore. He couldn't doubt his goodness. He got blessed. Amen. 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 Let's, let's, let's solidify this thing this morning. Once again, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 11. No other foundation can be laid but Jesus. I can't build my life upon anything else. I would like for you to look now at um, Psalm 138, too. I think Pastor Kevin has that one. A 
It says this, it says, I bow down towards your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. You have exalted above all things your name and your word. Emphasize that. Now let's look at John chapter 1. John chapter 1. We know John 1, 1 opens up, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And then it says this crazy idea, the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him not anything that was made was made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. And then if we jump on down to verse number 14, it says this. It says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so in Psalm 138.2, we, we see the scripture where it says that God has elevated his word above his name. And then in John 1.14, we see that that word that God had elevated took on flesh and blood, came to identify as us. What Psalm 38.2 was doing was it was prophesying Jesus. Because we know John 1, 14, Jesus took in the word, Jesus was the word made flesh, and, 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 and God has elevated his name above every name now. At the name of Jesus, every, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, he's been elevated above everything. What am I trying to do this morning? I'm trying to bring you to a real foundational point that you are going to need in this hour, and that is, is that Jesus and the word are one together. Yeah. And so much of our problems come from the fact that we have yet to bow the knee. You say you've bowed it to Jesus. I know. But we have yet to bow our knee to the word. And if you have a word problem, you have a Lord problem. Because Jesus and the word are one. And so we can scream out, and this is a good, um, it's a good litmus test for you, for authentic uh, members of the church, we can scream out that we love Jesus, but if we don't love his word, <laughs> listen, if we don't love his word, they're one and the same. Essentially, if, you ha- if you're trying to have a relationship with Jesus without it being based upon the truth of the word, you're making a God in your own image. You might as well identify yourself as the children of Israel when Moses went up on the mountain and they got impatient and they're like, I don't think he's coming back, dude. The old guy died up on the hill, I guess. Let's make a God ourselves." And they made the golden calf. And what happens? Moses comes down the mountain and he's like, oh my gosh, I've left you. You couldn't, you couldn't hang out for a week, man? 30 days, 40 days? What, like you couldn't hold on? Did you not see the dramatic thunder? Obviously, something was happening. They made a God in their own image after just a short period of time away. And I love what Moses does in that story. It's a beautiful picture. He, if you remember, he crushes up the idol. He dumps it in the river. He says, now drink it. That's messed up. It's hardcore. That sounds like a Daniel Greenwood word. <laughs> If you don't know Daniel, <laughs> if you don't know Daniel, he can be hardcore. I love it. 
And, and what it revealed after they drank it is it revealed that that idol had no life in it. Revealed that there was no life in the idol that they were drinking from that river. And then what does Jesus show up on the scene and say, whoever drinks from me will never be thirsty again. It was a counterfeit. It was a counterfeit. In order to have a solid theology, it has to be established on this premise, the most basic premise. And so many people miss this. It's never settled. I'm so thankful. I told Pastor Bob I was going to be nice to him today. I'm so thankful that Pastor Bob, when I was in high school, used to drag me to Rocco's Coffee Shop and teach me the fundamentals of the scripture at 5 a.m. My youth have it very easy because Pastor Bob would make me weedy up here at 5, 5.30, and then he would give me the word. I had to, like, work for Pastor Bob in order to get the spiritual food. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> He's not even denying it. And I'm so thankful because at, at, at the core of your relationship, you have to know that the God you're serving is good. Because how am I going to do anything if I don't know if the God I'm serving is for me or against me? If his mood changes as much as ours does, how am I going to be confident to step out in faith and to accomplish anything? It's, it's, it's the most basic fundamental. And I know you think you have it established in your heart, but what happens when something goes wrong? Do you question God? Do you question him? He's not. He's not. Bringing things on you to make you a better human. That's, the dumb, that's bad theology. It's bad theology. That's TikTok theology. It's too much of that. People that claim they know God and don't read their Bible, you can't know him apart from the word. Because the word and the son that one. The word has to be our guiding point. It has to be solidified. It has to be 100%. Can I be honest with you? There's times I'm reading the Word of God and I don't like some of the things it says. Come on. That's the truth. (laughs) I know I'm not the only one. Some of y'all are wrestling with words from God right now. There's things in it that I do not like what they said, but the Word of God is not a parameter to limit your life. The word of God is alive and what it is is it, 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 it gives you a definition to the life you were created to live. It brings life to you when you abide by it. It doesn't limit your existence. You were designed in accordance with how the word of God tells you to operate. And your maker, your father, the good father, knows exactly how Joe Anaya was designed to operate, and he lays out that life within the print so that it is unmistakably obvious if you would just desire it. You don't have to question it. Well, brother, we don't know how God operates. We don't know how God works. Yes, we do. It's in print. The word is meant to cause you to walk in real life, which can only be found in the sun. The word of God is life now. And everything about it establishes the most basic fundamental truth, and that is that God is good. God is good in the Old Testament. He's good in the New Testament. He didn't change. He didn't flip the script. If you haven't learned that sitting under Pastor Greg by now, I'm going to flip these seats. 
People say, how can God be good when Joshua killed all them men, women, and children? Pastor Greg's taught you that. Those weren't men, women, and children as we know it. They were a tainted species that were not made in the image of God because the angels came down and had relationships with women, and that's where the giants came from. I know it's weird, dude, but you know what? You believe that God lives on the inside of you. That's a little out of the normal, too, okay? The gospel's a little bit supernatural. You know what I mean? I I hate that so much when people get uncomfortable by any talk of supernatural. It's like the whole thing, from a natural standpoint, makes you a lunatic if you believe it. Jesus and the Word are one. In order for you to go over, if you're facing trial, if you're facing anything today, in order for you to go over, you have to come under. You have to come under. You have to come under not just verbal agreement to Jesus as Lord, but you have to come under the guidance of the Word of God. Our lives are a mess because we're not being obedient to Jesus We're not being obedient to the word. (laughs) And we suffer as a result, not because God's working in opposition, but because you are stubborn. (laughs) You're stubborn. (laughs) And you haven't acknowledged yet that maybe your way is not the best way. And maybe when Jesus says, I am the way, like he really meant like the only way. (laughs) Crazy idea. So the first thing, first thing is, is obviously we have to believe that the word is perfect. It's absolute. It's our, it's, it's, it's our food. It's, 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 it's dire. If God says it in his word, I believe it. You got to be willing to be dumb enough to just take God at his word. I love, I actually, it's way easier to, to minister to people that are maybe not the brightest on the spectrum. You know what I'm saying? Respectfully. Um, when you're, dealing with some, when you're dealing with someone that's super intellectual, it can be hard to get the word through. Um, when I was ministering healing to my grandma, um, the first time she was dealing with, with, with lung cancer, I said, Grandma, it's scriptural. In Acts 20, we pray over a handkerchief. You can lay it on you. And uh, uh, Apostle Paul did it. And the, the, the people were healed through the, the handkerchief. She didn't question it. <laughs> Knows, didn't, I don't know if my grandma like, f- could recite to me John 3.16, okay? Not a lot of knowledge, not a lot of awareness there, but she just believed it. And you know what? She got healed from a very severe case of, of, of lung cancer. You have to be foolish enough to just take God at his word. Turn in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 1. That's nice. I like being over here because I hear the pages turn over here. When I'm a youth minister, you don't hear that, man. No matter, I hand them a Bible and I still don't hear that. Amen. We're getting there. Laying a foundation. 
Let's start in verse number one. It says this. It says, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by the son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, and through whom, through the son, he also created the world. Notice verse number three. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. When it comes to what the Father is like, it is made very clear to us through the scriptures. Right here in Hebrews 1.3, it reveals to us that Jesus is the exact image of the Father in the earth. He's the exact expression. God had heard people talk about his nature for years, hundreds and hundreds of years, tell stories that weren't true. People, it's not our generation is not the first one to twist the story of Job and all that stuff and to get it wrong. God had heard people talking about his nature and so he shows up on the scene and he clears up any misconceptions that people have about himself when he puts Jesus on the earth. And he says, this man, this son of man, this son of God, this hybrid man is my express exact image. The exact reflection. In the Greek, you can look at it. It's like a mirror reflection in the earth. And, 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 and when you look at that word in the Greek, what it actually begins to talk about, it's character. Spelled with a K. Jesus was the character of God in flesh. Sweet Jesus was the character of God in flesh. People say, well, who are we to know the ways of the Lord, brother? How can we know the mind of the Father? Well, one, First Corinthians, First Corinthians chapter 1 or 2, it says that you literally have the mind of Christ. Get your religious cop-out out of here. You literally have been given the mind of Christ. But the other way is, is that when I look at Jesus, I've seen the Father. That's what he tells the disciples. Show us the Father. You've seen me. (laughs) And when I read the Gospels and I go through that, is anybody doing like a, a year, read the Bible through in a year? Okay. When you read the Gospels, you see exactly who the Father is through Jesus. And never once do I see a a sign that Jesus was somehow bipolar. I don't see that. Never once do I see someone come unto the Lord Jesus and ask for healing in their body. And he responds with, well, you have not been to the synagogue in seven years. Never once when the man, when, when a man comes to him about his daughter being sick and, and needing to be healed, he doesn't say, well, you've been addicted to cigarettes for two decades. You've been smoking marble red since the beginning of time. Until you get that right. I don't see any of that. Jesus shows up on the scene and clears up all the dumb traditions and religious ideas that we had about the Father. He shows up on the scene and he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. God wanted to express his exact image in the earth and so he put Jesus here. You want to know what the Father's like? Jesus. Jesus. 
Jesus. Father, I just thank you so much for Jesus. Jesus, we give honor to you in this place. And I demand right now, Lord, that religious mindsets would be uprooted and thrown into the trash once and for all. I don't, I don't want this house to be a house that ever struggles with mischaracterizing you, Father. Because you're nothing but good. And our heart and desire is to be pure reflections of you. But Lord, one cannot accomplish that without knowing who you are for real. So I thank you, Lord. I thank you that we don't have to question who you are because you have given us your son to know exactly. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's look at a couple. Let's look at a couple passages. Turning your Bible to um, John chapter 9, I believe. Verse number one, we're going to look there. It says, as he passed by, speaking of Jesus, it says, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, whose sin caused this man to be born blind? His, this man or his parents? And Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. Will you go back to that verse 3, Pastor Kevin? Thank you. I'm going to read that again. It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Now, your religious teaching is going to immediately think, as you read that passage, that this man's blindness was a setup for God to get some kind of twisted glory for himself. That God would inflict blindness on this gentleman so that one day when Jesus, when he in the flesh crosses by, can somehow garner some attention and glory and fame from the event. Listen, notice what it says after it was not that this man sinned. First of all, he outlines it perfectly. It's not that this man sinned or his parents. But notice what it says in that next part, after but. We love big buts in the scripture. Amen. But that the works of God might be displayed in him. Immediately, once again, your religious idea would cause you to think God is somehow, this man was born blind so that God would set this up. No, 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 no. It's identifying in verse number three that the works of God is what's about to take place. The healing was the works of God. So by default, what does that make the man's blindness? A work of because only the devil, according to John 10, 10, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And immediately our religious ideas and mindsets would come into this verse and think, well, God is using it, brother. God is using it. Listen, he'll use a testimony after the fact. But the important thing that you understand is, is that either you caused it, or more than likely the devil caused it. And that God is always, this is so, so elementary. God good, devil bad. 
Like, just remember that, bro. God good, devil bad. I'm the youth pastor. I need to have Matthew come in and, and, and hit you with a little bit of that. What he's, it's like, God is always the good guy in the picture. He's nothing but good. He can't be anything else. When we see creation in the beginning, there wasn't anything corrupt and evil and twisted. It was all good. And that was God's design. And what we have throughout the scriptures is a whole picture that demonstrates the magnitude of just how good he is. He would create you even though you did not want him in the first place. He would use you, he would pursue you, even when you wanted to live how you wanted to live. While you were still a sinner, while I was still a sinner, God demonstrated his goodness in that Christ already died. God's not against you. Ever. Ever. I don't care if you've been stuck in a habitual pattern of sin for two decades. There is nothing but goodness on God's behalf flowing towards you. And his heart may be grieved and it may be hurt just as any loving father would, but it is not condemnation. He's not the author of it. He's not the author of it. Look at a couple more scriptures before we, before we close. Look at Matthew 13, real quick. Well, I'm having fun, so if you're not, sorry. (laughs) Uh, I'm sorry, let's go to Mark 7. Forgive me. My youth gets so annoyed with that. I do that. I'm going to skip. I'm going to skip that one. Only so much time, my friends. I like Mark's account of it better. Notice what verse number 13 says in Mark chapter 7. It says this, Thus you make the word of God of no power by your traditions that have been handed down to you. Thus making void the word of God by your tradition that was handed down. You know, the only time when Jesus comes into a place and is incapable of doing something good on behalf of the people is because they were religious. And they valued tradition and what grandma told them many moons ago over what the Lord Jesus himself was saying in the moment. I don't care what your grandma said if it conflicts with the word of Jesus. She probably had the best intentions in the world. I'm sure she could bake some of the best cookies. I'm sure she was a wonderful woman. But you cannot idolize a person's words 
and thoughts and put them on some kind of pedestal, even if it's unknowingly in your heart above the words of the Lord. Because what happens is you actually make the power of God of no effect in your life. Why doesn't God heal me? Why doesn't God take care of this? What's preventing this from happening? I really believe it's tradition. I really believe it's mindsets. I really believe it's this, that there is a part of us that's still a little bit unsure if God is the author of the trial that we're going through. And as a result of that, we see in James chapter 1 that an unstable person, no matter what they ask, will not get what they ask for. Because they're shifty. Because they're shifty. Because they're shifty. Would you look at Second Corinthians chapter 1? Um, Clayton, can I get you to come up, bro? And play on the keys? Is that okay? Pastor Kevin's nodding his head. Yes, Mark. Thanks, man. <laughs> Over at the youth... When I'm ministering, understand that the youth have like a million distractions in the day and age you know, we live in. And, um, and sometimes it can be very hard for that ground to get fertilized. <laughs> never here. It's always a cakewalk here. I've never... You guys are perfect. <laughs> Notice Clayton's up. <laughs> but uh, I call... I call on Clayton because, you know, people are anointed to play the keys. There's an anointing on that. When David played the harp, the demons lifted off Saul. There's an anointing to it. Uh, I'm super thankful for, for Clayton. He, I'm telling you, sometimes Clayton gets on the keys, and one word while he's ministering on the keys just penetrates so much deeper than anything else. And so let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and we'll close out. Let's look at verse number 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 18. As surely as God is faithful, our word to you has not been yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, Timothy, and I, was not yes and no, but in him, in Jesus, the answer is always yes. Verse 20, for all the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. I'm going to read 20 again. Listen. Jesus is the foundation. For all the promises of God find their yes in Him. For all the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. Do you understand what that means? 
That means that every word that I find in the scripture, every promise that I find, whether it's in the Old Testament, whether it was David by faith uttering what he could see off into the future, whether it's the New Testament and the things that Jesus spoke or in the mysteries that Paul revealed, Jesus is the yes to every promise that God has ever spoken. It's not yes and no. It's not yes sometimes maybe. It's always yes. Jesus is a sure thing. You might waver. You might. We all do, but he doesn't. The people closest to you may change it up on you, may change their mind. He doesn't. He doesn't. Jesus is the foundation. Hallelujah, Lord. I worship you, Father. We thank you so much. We thank you so much. Come on, can we just minister to him this morning? Would you stand to your feet with me? The simplicity of Jesus. Father, I thank you. That before the foundation of the world, you chose me in your son, Jesus. I thank you that you didn't leave me as an orphan. I thank you that you didn't cut me off due to my behavior. I thank you that even when I was a pastor and I questioned you, you did not turn your back on me, but you pursued. And further establish yourself as the good shepherd. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus, this house gives glory to you this morning. There's nothing else we're built upon, Lord. There's nothing else we establish our life upon. It's directly established on you. I just know there's people in here. that have symptoms in their body. They have different things going on. Maybe they have a bad report. When you exalt the sun, people want the laying on of hands and those things all have their place. But when you exalt the sun, I really believe that if you would just exalt the sun, that your body would come into alignment. It'd be so organic. Can I be honest? Sometimes we get so focused on the benefits the byproducts, let me say it like that, the byproducts, healing, prosperity, soundness, all those things, and we forget that they just stem from Jesus. He's the prize. He's God's yes. He's God's yes. Father, we thank you so much. We thank you so much. We honor you this morning. Hallelujah. 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 You're so good. I know there's people under the sound of my voice that things have happened and you're suffering from maybe that shifty foundation disorder. 
that you're questioning, you're wrestling with the goodness of God and how you're going to get through. Listen, at the worst church camp I've ever been a part of, I was leading it so I can say it. It's a rough one. Lots of knives, lots of, it's crazy. God gave me a word out of Proverbs and it's the one that says, if a thief is caught, he'll rest- I'll restore seven times. So I have to restore seven times. Romans 8, 28 also says that God will work all things for the good of those that love me and walk according to my purpose. It doesn't matter if it's your mistake. It doesn't matter if it's just the devil's attack. It doesn't matter what it is. If you make Jesus your foundation and build your life upon him and upon him alone, I'm telling you, it'll be good, man. It'll be good. It'll be better. It'll be better than whatever you lost. It'll be better than whatever was taken from you. He's that good. It blows my mind that God's plan B can somehow take the place of his plan A and be a hundred times better, Jesse. (laughs) It's like the devil thought. But Jesus was God's yes. Amen. And so if you're here and you're struggling this morning, I'm telling you, we got ministers up here that love you their heart is for you and they want to see you walk in the victory that Jesus has already provided for you and they're going to be available after service up here just come up here I promise you it's judgment free they'll love on you they'll pray with you and we will see you get through I want to leave you with the fact that Jesus is the answer to every season of your life it doesn't matter what you're going through it's Jesus I can't proclaim his name enough. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's him. He's the prize. (laughs) He's the prize. Lord, I thank you once again. I'm refreshed by your goodness once again this morning, Father. And I pray that uh, a burden has been lifted in this room. And that people walk out lighter and excited to go deeper in relationship with you. Father, we honor you. We thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. I want to encourage you to be back Wednesday night for Galatians. And then don't forget, Times of Manifestation kicks off next Sunday. Listen, God knows if you're watching that Super Bowl, all right? (laughs) I'm just kidding. I love you guys. I'm just kidding. Hey, let me give you a preview. The Chiefs are probably going to win. And you can just come and enjoy the presence of the Lord and rest in that, all right? I'm just kidding. We love you. We look forward to seeing you Wednesday night. Once again, we got ministers up here that would love to minister with you. And we'll see you next Sunday as we kick off Times of Manifestation. You're dismissed.